Hello and welcome to the How Many Light Bulbs Does It Take podcast. I am Master Chief Jen. I'm just Carrie. I'm Stacy. I'm Pod Prod GPT. Today on this episode, we're going to be talking about the psychology of cosplay. So, as you know, as I've only mentioned it like I don't know, 17 or 18 times already so far, I cosplay with uh, the 501st Legion. I dress up as various Star Wars characters and I cosplay the quote unquote bad guys who protect peace and justice in the galaxy, I'm just saying. And uh, so I joined the 501st Legion when I was in Wisconsin and a couple of us, couple, uh, more like uh, probably about 20 of us or so actually branched off into, we did Lord of the Rings. We all, nine of us made the Nazgul and everybody else were riders of Rohan. And we went to a Renaissance fair one year, you know, it's Renaissance fair. You really can't show up in your stormtrooper armor. <laughs> so we went, uh, we, we did Lord of the Rings and uh-huh. uh, you know, it was a, uh, it was probably about a, for Wisconsin, it was a super hot and humid day. And here's a bunch of us walking around in black robes and armor. Some <laughs> of us actually had real armor on. So our group didn't last too long, but if we had been able to last very long, we might've won best group for the cosplay competition. But um, so yeah, we were, you know, it's the same group of people doing the Star Wars and doing Lord of the Rings. And, you know, I've, uh, the Star Wars group, at least in the, and the Rebel Legion and the Mandalorian Mercs and the Droid Builders, I mean, these are worldwide organizations and we are by far not the only cosplayers out there. You know, you go to any convention, you'll see, uh, you'll see the Avengers, you'll see superheroes, you see G.I. Joe, there's Ghostbusters, there are Ghostbusters everywhere. And there's all sorts of people who just dress up not affiliated with a costuming club. They just mm-hmm. make their own Ghostbuster. They make their own anime. They make their own superheroes. So, well, here's the thing. Cosplay can be fairly expensive. Oh, yeah. Um, if, if you are going to build a screen-accurate Darth Vader to cosplay with the 501st Legion, that is going to set you back several thousand dollars. Uh, if you mm. If you make your own kit for some of these things it's not as expensive but it, it can it can cost you a lot of pretty pennies and these costumes are not comfortable most of us can't see you know that's the reason stormtroopers really can't hit anything you can't see crap when you're wearing that helmet <laughs> um, you know you see uh you see the people who are playing the mascots at the sports fields they don't have too much better of a field of view for instance a lot of people can't sit down in their costumes because there's just, they're so involved. Um, mm-hmm. and they're, they're hot, they're restrictive. You, you can't move very well, you can't see very well. So what drives us to do this to ourselves? Well, for one, it brings us a lot of joy. For me in particular, I love the smiles I get from, especially from kids. Shout out to our episode three, A New Cope, and our guests, Erica Matacruz from the yes. Everglades squad of the Florida Garrison and the 501st Legion. They had some amazing stories to tell about hospital troops and about how just the joy we get from bringing joy to others. So that's that's one major reason why we do it. Oh yeah, um, that made me want to do it. Just hearing that, that was that was very touching. Yeah, yeah, they were beautiful stories. Again, episode three. How many life does it take? You want to go back and listen to it? And another reason that we do it is the sense of community. You know, you get with, you get with a cosplaying group or you get with other people and it's like, you found your tribe. You've got, you found your new family. Here's some friends who share your same loves and share your same interests and share your same insanity of dressing up in a plastic easy bake oven and going out into the 
Florida heat or, or wandering around in the freezing cold with your easy bake oven, which is no longer baking you. Now you're just freezing because you have no layers underneath that. <laughs> so <just the laughs> One sharing. extreme or the other. <laughs> exactly. Um, again, we do a lot of, in, in Wisconsin, it's not a big deal to do outdoor troops because, you know, it's not that hot. But uh, when we do troops in the wintertime, yeah, it can be a little cold because yeah, you don't have a lot of room under these costumes, <laughs> some of these costumes for layers. But again, it's, uh, you know, it's the sense of the, the, the community, the, sh the shared interest in the, the fact that you've all just done this amazing thing to bring all these smiles. And it's not just for sick kids. You know, we go to uh, conventions, we go to different events, we get asked to help out with different charities. And we just love it when people recognize us and they want to come up and want to get pictures. And, and a lot of it, especially with the Star Wars community, a lot of it admittedly is mostly parents, but they've also given that love to you know their children so their children will want to get they'll, they'll love getting pictures with us and just mm -hmm. the fact that we can bring smiles to kids of all ages yeah um, but again it's that you, you now you have a whole group of people you found your tribe you've got you know people who shared your interest you've got you've got friends that who are going to be there for you to help with anything and we all get together and we'll like go to dinner we'll go to lunch or something we'll hang out and do other things other than star wars so again you have now you've got a little sense of community now, Jen, could you take us through like basically what a basic troop looks like for you, like the, the prep, what it um, takes for you to get your gear together, what you have to do mentally to prepare? Because I mean, sometimes you're going to see like difficult situations, especially in the hospitals. So I, I assume you have to do something to get yourself ready for that. Well, there are some troops where I think the, 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 the hardest troop I've ever done mentally was uh, we, um, we actually did a funeral for this kid. I forget how old he was, but he was like 10 or 12. Um, and uh, he was a big Star Wars fan and he was a Make-A-Wish kid. So he got his wish. And one of the things that he did was he did a lot of fundraisers on his own with his family to raise money for other kids to get a wish through Make-A-Wish as well, because he enjoyed his so much. Aww. And he ended up dying of his illness. And the family asked us to come to the funeral. And, you know, there's, there's times where it's like, you're glad you're wearing a big helmet. You know, that's uh, okay. You know, you're going, it was short notice. So we, a lot of us had to figure out, okay, I need to take time off for work, mm -hmm. but by golly, we're going to make it to this troop. Um, so we had to take the time off for work and then well, just for just getting ready for any troop. Um, you know, you've got your basic uniform prep. You got to, most of us take most of us store all our costumes together like the the stormtroopers in this bin or the biker scouts in that bin or everything's all together but there are some parts like sometimes your flight suit sometimes uh you can share parts back and forth so you got to get your bin out you got to make sure you got all your parts uh make sure they're clean make sure nothing's broken um quick repairs if they are pile it all back in get it into the car and uh yeah. most troops you generally don't it's not really mental preparation it's more okay uh let me let me hydrate let me make sure i'm getting some salt tabs so i know i'm going to be super hot in this costume i know it's outside i want to make sure that i've got some electrolytes in me you have to make sure you get some place where there's going to be a bathroom so you know once you get all this stuff on it takes 20 minutes to get off and if you wait until you really have to go to the bathroom there could be some problems <laughs> but uh, at the same time especially you know there's there's a uh, 
if you're outside in certain environments, you probably sweated it off so much. You're not going to have to pee for the next five hours anyway, because now you're oh, dehydrated. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, for some troops, like, again, for that funeral, then now, now you've got the extra, you know, this isn't going to be a happy troop. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've actually done two funerals now that, now, now that I think about it. I did, I did one here in Florida for the son of one of our own. And, uh, you know, it was just, it's rough. Yeah. You're kind of, especially the one for the kid. I mean, I was just super glad that I had a helmet on because then you can, you can cry, you can snip, you can be behind that. Just turn your (laughs) mic off. Nobody hears you, but, uh, Oh man, I'd take the helmet off and just be a big snot ball on my face. You're like, when I was two and you just have a snot. (laughs) I actually was doing all right. I was able to, I kind of, I was able to keep myself together until, one of this kid's friends and this kid, his parents kind of brought his wheelchair. Only the kid wasn't in the wheelchair. The kid oh. was actually up and trying to walk. And this kid was just bawling. Oh. <laughs> I'm starting to cry. Just think about it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, I had so many the other troopers like, I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was a big snap ball. I had to go in. Uh, I had to go and just take a break. Most of them are not that taxing. But sometimes you get asked to do it and you do it because the family asked you to do it. And, uh, and you get to wear a mask and you get to wear a mask. Um, <laughs> most of the time your troops are the only, the real prep is again, it's just, you got to make sure your, uh, your costumes all in one piece. You know, you didn't forget any of your pieces. You have a little repair kit because, uh, shit is going to break right when you put it on right before the show. Uh-huh. It, it, it usually does. Somebody has a costume malfunction. And uh, then all, all you got to do is just kind of get ready for the fact that you're going to be, it's going to be hot. And, uh, but the, the new, the cool thing is, you know, once you put that costume on, it's almost like you become another person. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, it doesn't matter how introverted you are. All of a sudden you're like the life of the party. You know, it's uh, everybody loves you. You're high-fiving the kids or fist bumping the kids, whatever, or maybe trying to convince the kids that you're not a scary person. Cause you know, you're, you're in this great big, huge to them, scary costume. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, the main thing is making sure your, your costume is ready to go. And, uh, just depending on the troop, just the kind of mental, whatever you need to do to prepare yourself for what could be either super fun or what just could be emotionally taxing, emotionally taxing. Yeah. Those are, those are the good words. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. That answer your question. I started. <laughs> yes. But I did now have follow-up questions. Okay, ask them. Because you had mentioned like uh, in the beginning, like this costume's here, this one's here. Is there anyone in the 501st Legion who that you know of that has just one costume? Uh, when you vary, when you start, <laughs> generally, <laughs> that is a, I'm, sh- you know what, there's a. <laughs> no. Probably. <laughs> Last I, last count that I heard, there were somewhere in the vicinity of thirteen to fourteen thousand members just of the five hundred first Legion worldwide, with somewhere between twenty eight and thirty thousand approved costumes. So now I know several people who have we kid around about they're trying to set the Legion record for how many costumes they have. I mean, people there's people who manage to throw together like you know somewhere between ten and twenty costumes. So there are people out there who just have one. I would like to meet them. <laughs> I don't think you're going to find them quick. Well, um, I think uh, Michael's wife, Michelle, I think she only has a Jawa. So there's, there's one. 
<laughs> all right <laughs> fine but uh yeah they just given the sheer number of uh I, th I think the people who have just one costume are fewer than the people who have many. But when you're I first being approved, you generally only just have one. <laughs> so, and then I, I feel like they're like tattoos. They become addicting and you just want more. It, it is like that. Yeah. You know, just uh, it, it, it. And I've heard that. I've heard a lot of troopers say that, that it, it becomes addicting. You know, once you, you build your first costume, you get approved in your first costume, then you're like, ah. That's a cool art. That's a cool. I want to be that character too. And now you've, now you're working towards building that. So now you got two costumes. Then you're like, ah, oh, that'd be cool. I want a troop as that too. Now you got a third costume that you just built and, and added to your repertoire. So yeah, it can be very addicting. Now, which costume makes you feel your most badass? Like, which is what, which is the one like you love wearing and you're just like, fuck all y'all. I'm boom. <laughs> Right now, I'd say one of the versions of Commander Iden Versio because, you know, she is a special forces commander in the Empire. And when she defected to the Rebel Legion, she was, you know, pretty badass there, too. I mean, she's probably my most badass character, and she's the one that uh, kind of makes me feel the most powerful. And when I do get my Cara Dune finished, I think that that may take the place of, uh -huh. of, of, of Iden Versio. We'll have to see because Cara Dune's pretty damn badass. But uh, I agree. I, I mean, agree. uh as, yeah, I think she's definitely the one that makes me feel the most badass when I'm walking around. Okay. Now there's different things. And that's another thing with the psychology of cosplay. You know, you can actually dressing up as a superhero or as your favorite character kind of lets you embody the aspects of that character. You know, if you're, you, you're dressing up as a superhero, then all of a sudden now you've become the superhero. Um, you know, you, you, you dress up as a dressing up as a stormtrooper or a biker scout and you kind of go around acting all dopey and uh you know there's a there's a lot of times where we'll be there'll be like games set up that the kids are playing and uh i know it is cornhole but you know bags that sort of thing so you'll, you'll take the bags and you'll just intentionally <laughs> throw them way off course <laughs> you'll just give me basketball and you'll intentionally completely miss because you're a stormtrooper and that's what you do you miss yeah. you know so uh so yeah that's uh I, I feel pretty uh, badass as Iden when I'm dressed as a stormtrooper. I just kind of act goofy because, you know, big dopey stormtrooper. <laughs> <laughs> so you really do get in character, you know, going yeah. back to the psychology of this. Do you think a lot of people, their first character they choose is more in line with a part of their personality? And, you know, as they get more comfortable with cosplay, they explore more parts of their personality through the characters that they choose? It's possible. A lot of times the character you pick to first dress up is just a character you love. When Eric was on, he mentioned that he absolutely loved Boba Fett. So he built a Boba Fett. Some people just, they love Darth, you know, they, they love Darth Vader. So they, they build the Darth Vader. Some people just like a costume that's going to let them sit down. So they build a TIE fighter or a biker scout. You know, they, they're going for, they, they love the side. They love the aspect of, okay, the Imperials may be the bad guys, but everybody loves a big dopey stormtrooper. So everybody, you know, it's like they, you get to dress up as the bad guys and that's just, uh, you know, you get to have a little fun with that. So you may not be picking an actual face character or an actual name character, but you're just going for, you know, one of the sides because now you can go pick out all the X-Wing pilots who are cosplaying, you know, the people who are cosplaying the X-Wing pilots, you know, they, they picked it because maybe they wanted to cosplay Luke or maybe they just wanted to be on the good guys. Hey, we saved the galaxy from all those people protecting peace and justice. 
<laughs> in Darth Vader's way. But uh but no, Carrie and I are wanna make our uh Jawa costumes. Jen's friend from the 501st Legion, Rob, he's actually the head of a what what is this exact position? Executive officer of the Everglades squad. So, you know, it's uh every squad, every every garrison has somebody who's kind of the the ringleader, basically. So you have your it's we we use military titles, but it's not like a military organization. So, you know, the squad leader is kind of the the ringleader and organizes everything. His assistant is his executive officer. So uh so yeah, Rob is the executive officer, just helps out Eric, who's our squad leader with organizing, yeah. with getting people to where they need to go, making sure everyone has all the information they need. But he is uh, one of the people that helps make our appearances happen. He uh, promised me a full-on Jawa outfit, um, provided I come down to Florida, which looks like it's probably going to happen. Well, that's another okay. thing which you were talking about, the personality of because a lot of people, they put on that Jawa, and then they just start going around and acting like they're going to steal the hubcaps off the police car because, you know, that's what the Jawas do. They go after all the shiny things and uh, they just act like a whole bunch of total goofs. It's really hilarious when you get a, a group of Jawas at a troop and they just all start going doing Jawa things. I mean, everybody loves it. <laughs> so that's one of the reasons I would, I picked Jawa. Well, one, it looked like an easy and, you know, more affordable costume to go into but I love the Jawas and they're actually fit my personality I'm introverted but I like to have fun and you know stuff like that so I think hiding behind a costume would be easier to let that out what's your draw to the Jawa Carrie for doing it as cosplay cheap and free <laughs> cheap if I had to make it myself or if Jen had to pay for me to make it myself and free if I go to Florida so um basically finances and then once i become addicted which i predict i will i'm gonna want something bigger and better what what do you think fits you like, like what character embodies you the oh most? my god well let's see um i definitely want to do i would love to be captain phasma yes i can see that or a pilot because you get to wear that cool helmet not not the one jen is Next i would week? be the good guy you want to be the namby pamby good guy? I want to be, I'm always the good guy. Well, like I, I said, that's our line. The We are the good guys in the empire. We are protecting peace and justice in the galaxy through killing everybody who doesn't agree with us. But, you know, still, we're protecting peace and justice in the galaxy. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> it's perspective, you say. <laughs> it's bullshit, yeah. you say. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we could get you. We could uh, we could work on a Rebel uh, X-wing pilot costume for you if you wanted to uh, become. If you wanted to be in, so you know, I make fun of the Namby Pamby good guys, but I'm actually dual Legion now. I have a yes. my my inversio is both. I have both the Imperial version and the Rebel Legion version. So, and I'm doing my first troop with the Rebel Legion Namby Pamby good guys at the Pride Parade, the 17th. All right. Awesome. So then, give us a rundown of what groups you sub i guess there's subgroups you belong to based on your costumes so for the 501st legion so you have a tie pilot you you got approved as a tie pilot not only are you in the 501st legion and then in your state or your country's garrison and then your local squad you also based on your costume you're in a subgroup or a, a detachment so the tie pilots are all in what's called the jolly roger squadron 
you know, that's just the, all the all the actual pilots. And from there, there's actually a further breakdown based on your costume itself. Um, the uh, there's the classic tie pilot, the ones from the the original trilogy. The 181st are they've got different cost different like red stripes on their costumes, different things like that. But the really cool thing is for the TIE pilots, the female TIE pilots, the female identifying TIE pilots, we're the Black Widows. We have our own sub-detachments. When there's a, enough Black Widows, we actually have a local, we call it a local web. There's a web of Black Widows. And that's maybe you've got, you know, five or seven actual female pilots. You have your own web. And that's something else that we use to identify just for fun. Is there another subgroup for, for those who identify as LGBTQIA+. As a matter of fact, we do. We have, it's called the Pride Squadron and it is, it's basically all the cost, all the Star Wars costuming groups. So the, Mandal- the Mandalorian Mercs, the, the 501st, the Rebel Legion, you know, it's Pride Squadron is kind of made up of everybody from all the Star Wars costuming groups that identifies as LGBTQIA. Awesome. So, and there's times where actual Pride Squadron, uh, uh, We'll try to do meetups or we'll try to do events as well, just to kind of foster community amongst ourselves, you know, just to, just to get it out that it's, you know, people who identify as, as LGBTQIA, you, you're not alone. There's a lot of us and mm-hmm. we span all the costuming clubs. So we'll try to get together and promote the representation and promote, you know, representation is hope. Yes. Yeah. And it goes along with, you know, Pride Squadron. That's just one more little aspect of finding your tribe also it's also it's helpful for for one's mental health because then they're they're a place where they feel accepted and and seen and and get help with their costumes because sometimes that shit is hard (laughs) i I saw i saw what everyone was uh, going through at the costuming party (laughs) and pretty much all the groups all the detachments all the squads all the garrisons all the detachments all the sub detachments i mean that's the wonderful thing about social media we pretty much all have our own separate Facebook pages. I, I have lost complete track of all the different pages I'm members of. But <laughs> uh you know there and and there's different pages, different groups. There's a you know there there was there's a Caradune costuming Facebook group. There's a Fennec Shan costuming group. There's uh and again there's all these different groups you can go and you can ask questions regarding this specific build mm-hmm. or whatever you want to ask and they also in the case of pride squad and it's a it's a safe place where you can go and if you have any anything you want to talk about anything you want to you know vent about just or just want to chat it's you can do that too yeah yeah it's a community jen how do you think cosplay helps individuals express parts of themselves that they may not be able to express every day well who actually identify as introverted who you wouldn't be able to tell that they're introverted when their costume's on. You actually, putting on the costume actually lets you become a, a different person for the period mm-hmm. of time it's on. So yes, I think, uh, you know, if you're, whatever you're playing, you, you get to, you can either, you, you kind of mentally become that character. You, you just become, your introvert becomes more outgoing, becomes a lot more outgoing. For that little bit of time, you can actually pretend I am Wonder Woman. I am Batman. I am Iron Man, you know, mm-hmm. whatever you're actually, whoever you're actually cosplaying. I'm Black Widow. Um, you know, you become that complete and utter badass that, you know, we all would probably like to aspire to be in real life. But uh, for whatever reason, you don't feel you can be that way in your real life. The costume lets you be that person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who knows, maybe the, the confidence you get from being out and interacting with the public as the costume character that might even help you become more confident as yourself be able to interact better if 
that's something that, you know, an introvert maybe possibly would struggle with. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, more comfortable yeah. you are. What I occasionally struggle with is, I guess, turning it off on the other side. Uh-huh. You, know, you get out of the costume and yeah, now you can't really go smile at all the kids or go interact or anything like that. You kind of have to turn a little bit of that off because when you're the stormtrooper, it's fine. When you're not the stormtrooper, well, now you're just sniffing creep. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Oh, yeah, the fine line. (laughs) So so maybe, maybe don't, uh, don't, don't bring the effing creep aspect to your regular life. Bring the, bring the strength, bring the power, (laughs) bring that back with you. (laughs) You take the costume off (laughs) when Superman becomes Clark Kent. (laughs) Um, Wonder Woman becomes Diana Prince again. Bring the power back. <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, you know, they always warned you, you know, stay away from strangers. You know, don't go by strangers all of this. And then they take you to Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm and shit. And there's all these fucking strangers in costumes and they're pushing you towards them. I was scared shitless of these people in costumes. Uh, I, they're like, every picture is me fucking crying because they had to force me to go to them or me just like, eh, you know, <laughs> begrudgingly hugging them it was it made no sense to me it's like yeah don't talk to strangers but if you are here go hug this weirdo you know someone you have no clue who they are in this costume you know as a child you're only supposed to see them as like the character not some stranger in the costume i i came out of the womb uh like a 50 year old woman i (laughs) (laughs) with issues okay i was scarred we were told from a very young age that everything was going to kill us and everything was bad you know it was like everything (laughs) kind of not wrong still (laughs) yeah i mean we every oh man i'm like a cat like what what you know Well, the funny thing is, I've never actually thought about our kids afraid of us because of the whole stranger danger, but Mm -hmm. some of our costumes, we can be either intimidating or scary. And, you know, Mm -hmm. especially when I'm dressed up as my TIE fighter pilot, everybody loves Darth Vader. Everybody loves Darth Nihilus. If you're an evil character dressed in black with a lightsaber, everyone loves you. When you're a TIE fighter pilot, you make kids cry. One of the things that we do with the 501st Legion is uh, we actually make our we get trading cards made and uh you know it's with our costume on one side sometimes it's us without our helmet on on the other side just kind of tells a little bit about us my you know i think my even my crochet baby yodis even has a trading card i give kids love those but yes. that's one of the things that we do to uh if kid if we do scare kids you know we'll try to you know kind of distance hand them a trading card or hand them a sticker or something like that it's like look we're really not that evil people here, here, here's your, it's, it's, it's creepy when it's some stranger giving you free candy, but it's when somebody's dressed up as a plastic space person giving you a trading card. It's okay. Right. <laughs> we do joke about that amongst ourselves occasionally, but yeah, the, it's, it's a trading card. It's not free candy. Come on, kid. We're okay. <laughs> yeah. And there have been times when we're not supposed to break character. You're not supposed to take your helmet off. You're not supposed to do anything mm-hmm. like that. You're supposed to be the character. But if you're making that kid cry, I've taken my mask off and just showed him, hey, look, I'm just like you, only bigger. In fact, I've had enough once uh, there's been a number of little girls. Once, uh, you know, once they see that it's it's just them only bigger, then they're like, oh, okay, you're cool. I want to get a picture with you now. We're all coming we'll come up and we'll get a hug. <laughs> That's sweet. But yeah, now part of me wonders if... Uh, you know, with now the, the parents don't force the kids to come get pictures with us if they're obviously that scared, but we will try to let them know that it's okay. We're not 
you know, we're not the bad guys, you know, we're not going to, you know, it, it's okay. You can get a picture with us, but you know, if we see the kids really scared of us, we back off. It's like, okay. But part of me parents wonders love now, the torturers. is it stranger danger? Is, does that play into it? I bet so. I bet it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find articles online about the psychology of cosplay. And one of the things they do mention about is I'll use the example of Batman, because that was one of the ones that I read. You cosplay the, the a character that you identify with because, you know, Batman, he, you know, he, he saw his parents get murdered. Mm-hmm. And now he's a total badass fighting crime. So one of the appeals to certain people dressing up as Batman is, you know, they may have had trauma in their past and well, now they're cosplaying a character who has not only overcome that, but could become a hero in his own right. So that kind of goes along with the mental, the mental health aspect about helping you deal with your own, any issues you may have and maybe helping to overcome them because you're playing somebody who has, and maybe you can take that back to real life you know, away from you and that you're no longer costume, but you can take that aspect back to your real life and build on that. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Wonder Woman. And, you know, it's a strong, powerful woman. And uh, a lot of people do cosplay Wonder Woman because that, that, that makes them feel strong and powerful as well. Yeah, for real. That's why I named my car Diana. Well, actually, because she's blue and reminds me of her bottoms. But she... <laughs> now, overall, would you say that cosplay has helped your mental health i would say it has i mean there's been a number of times when i've been in you know a super bad mood about something and then i go throw on a costume i'm maybe grumpy at the beginning but i don't let the grumpiness show through when i'm in costume and just what i do while i'm costumed you know the joy i bring the smiles i bring that just makes me feel better so i it does definitely help with my own mental health um especially on days when i'm just you know having a bad day for whatever reason but you still go to the troop because people are counting on you to show up and be there for the troop and uh, makes me feel better. It's a healthy outlet. Yes. Uh, I, think an- I think another interesting part of cosplay is the creativity, you know, because you get to tap into that. And that's super good for our mental health is being creative and making things. What, what type of new skills did you acquire? You know, I know you're super crafty already, but, yeah, you know, what kind of skills does it take and what kind of new skills did you acquire? Uh, when you started cosplaying? Well, I don't know that I would have said I was super crafty before I started cosplaying, but I went from basically buying my first costume as a, as a kit already pre-assembled to my last costume. The only thing I really didn't make myself was the, uh, was the flight suit. You know, I, I did have to buy that from somebody else who made flight suits. You know, there's certain things that, you know, if you can, uh, somebody else has the, the talent and the tools and you have the money to trade them. <laughs> so my, my sewing skills still have not improved very much. You know, that, that, that sewing machine is not exactly my mortal enemy, but it's not my best buddy either. But okay, I bought the flight suit, literally made everything else. You know, mm-hmm. the harness and everything for Rebel Light and Versio. You know, okay, the boots, I didn't make the boots, but you know, I, I, I made the, 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 yeah, I went from uh, not really being good at anything other than sewing name tapes or hems into my actual real uniform to I can make all the soft parts for my own costumes now and I can I can modify the hard parts uh you know I gotta tell you as as much as expensive as some of these parts is that first hole I went to actually drill into the tie fighter because I was trying to reposition something I was like now I'm like (laughs) Oh, here, let me cut this in half and glue this back together and reinforce this and use this JB Weld stuff to make this uh, make this better here. Um, 
you know, kind of put my own helmet together. Uh, it's, uh, I've, I've learned quite a bit, gotten pretty good with the Dremel, never really had to use a Dremel before I started doing some of this, just learned a different bunch of ways to, you know, fix cracks in plastic and meld plastic together. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, you, you pick up a lot of, a lot of interest, you know, a lot, a lot of fun skills. Cool. And a lot of them are transferable to life. You know, now you can fix a whole lot of shit. Actually, I've, uh, yeah, you know, I've, uh, some of the skills I've learned just working with, uh, especially with the, the plastic and, uh, one of the pieces that I had to make for the Iden Versio for the, her harness, she has this like a backpack harness kind of thing that she has a, a secret droid that's supposed to go into the, that kind of tucks into the back. But, uh, I had some other hard pieces of plastic that were flat that I had to trim and then use a hairdryer to kind of shape this, that, and the other thing. And I kind of, I think uh, I, I was kind of making that up on the fly, you know, <laughs> just, uh, oh, you know, I know if you 3D print something and then you heat it, you can shape it. Let me try that with this piece of plastic. You know, it just kind of lets you, gives you more confidence just to try something new. And you know what, if you screw it up, you can fix it. Exactly. Life skills. Yeah. Bring on the zombie apocalypse. I can make a harness, I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> So you're gonna have a whole little army of zombies on harnesses. <laughs> hey, it worked for Michonne in The Walking Dead. I'm just Hell saying. Yes. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of How Many Light Bulbs Does It Take? If you've been hanging with us for this long, guess what, everybody? We broke the average. Apparently, the average podcast dies after seven episodes. And we're past that because we rock and we Ooh. appreciate all of you. So if you have anything you want to get in touch with us about or anything, anything you want to comment on the episode, you can let me know at Master Chief Jen on the Twitter. You can email the show at hmlditpodcast at gmail.com. You can find podcasts online at hmlditpodcast.com. With that, catch you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.